You're listening to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness with host Sean Tice, where we talk about leading fatherless families to the Heavenly Father. Welcome back to Let's Talk About Fatherlessness. I'm excited to have John Smith Baker with us today. It's great to have you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's an honor. You're from an organization organization you founded called Fathers in the Field. Can you tell us just a little bit about yourself and about, about your organization? Yeah. Um, Fathers in the Field is a, it's a non-parachurch ministry. So uh, we love the church. Christ died for the church. So we don't go around the church. We go through the church. And uh, Fathers in the Field comes alongside the church, uh, convicts them or encourages them on this issue of fatherlessness being the number one societal issue. And we help them mobilize their men in their church and their congregation to be an advocate for the fatherless and have the men step up and be mentor fathers and make a three-year commitment into the life of a fatherless boy and uh, sharing a heavenly father that will never leave or forsake them. And it's just a profound ministry and it's been around now uh, 15 years, and uh, it re- really was the outgrowth of my salvation experience. Um, I got saved late in life at about 40 years old, my earthly father for abandoning me and my mom and her sister, my sister. And really, the just that how as fatherless children and fatherless boy, uh, we view that abandonment as the, the unforgivable sin. And so it's our deepest of sin in us and really have to come to grips with uh, the need to forgive them so we can be the man God intended us to be. And I really appreciate what you do, what you've done. Now tell us a little bit about your, you have a business background, right? That's kind of, you're not like you didn't, you, you weren't in ministry before this, but then you, you got to put this on your heart. How did it all begin? Yeah. Well, like I said, I, it was on a dark road, meet going to meet my uncle to to go fishing, scrambling after work on Friday. But uh, uh, that's when the Lord got a hold of me. So I was forty. So I spent my whole life striving to uh, fill a hole through business and success, and and it just uh, never nothing ever satisfied it. And uh, as much success I had, making more money than I ever thought I would, and just just living the dream life up in Wyoming and just run in a company in the outdoor industry. So it was just, just a wonderful life. But uh, when the Lord got a hold of me, obviously I saw the world totally different and uh, he just put on a burden on me that, that uh, because I went through the fatherless issue, I, I know the issue and I know how to help them and uh, for me to get busy for the kingdom. So it really, I really left, sold everything uh, just jumped into ministry full time and got going. So that's really wrote curriculum that specifically dealt with the father wound, how how these mentor fathers should go about talking and dealing with these fatherless boys. And it's just re- just really been a real blessing to see the impact uh, everything's having on these young souls. Now, where all is your organization at? I mean, you all of all fifty states, or where are all you guys located? Uh, not yet. We're in about thirty-seven states wow. and just steadily growing. We have uh, ten full-time missionaries now that are like me that do what we do. And uh, again, we just knock on the church's door, biblical church, knock on the door, and come alongside the pastor and the leadership team. We raise a lay leadership team in their church, and then really just just hopefully develop a deep root there for the fatherless issue. And then, so we can go to the next church. 
and get them established and go to the next church. And so we we're we we've engaged now over 500 churches and just just steadily expanding. So that's wonderful. I, I love yeah. what you're doing. And so how does the program work then? How you say it's a three-year commitment? Is it once a month meeting or do they meet every week? How often do the mentors meet with their kids? Yeah, again, I'm not trying to trying to be rude or anything, but this is a, this is an important concept for me. So I just say it is it's not a program. Okay, this is yeah, a I understand that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, but I know you did, you're well-meaning by it, but I say this a lot. So it's just worth repeating. A program is man-made in my opinion, but a ministry is God, God made. And God, God mentions the fathers and the widows over 118 times in the Bible. This is a ministry that the yeah. church should be doing. It's not a, it's not a program that they adopt to decide to do on their own and do it for a season and leave. This is something the church should do from its inception to its death until Christ returns, because God makes this a huge priority. And that's part of the challenge and part of the, the battle that we face within churches is, is they think, well, because we write checks out for the fatherless in distant lands, we're doing something to the fatherless and say, no, yes. we're, the, we're the mission field. The days of, of writing a check and walking over all the carnage on the way to the post office should be over. And again, as I read the Bible, we're supposed to start in our own Jerusalem anyways. And so we are the mission field now. In fact, the single mom population, which I believe are the widows of our time, just like in the biblical age, they're the largest unchurched people group in America now. Wow. That yeah. bears repeating. They're the largest unchurched people group. So even if the this desperate single mom wanted to come to church, they're typically working two and three jobs and the service jobs on the weekend, and they can't attend church. So the church has to go to them. They have to open their doors, get off their duff, and mobilize and actually do what James says is pure religion. So if you're not doing pure religion in your church, but you have all these programs, you may want to rethink what you're doing. That's so good, oh. man. I, I, hey, I, I completely agree with you on that. That's so good. And that's one of the things that I, I've traveled, I've spoken in over 200 churches on the issue of fatherlessness. And one of the things that single moms tell us, and we've been, like I said, we've been doing this for 15 years. Yeah. God. The the single moms say, I don't feel connected to a church. I don't feel connected to my church. And so yeah. no, no wonder, because a lot of it's geared towards couples. It's geared towards, um, you know, towards families that are, you know, intact yeah. and they just don't, they don't feel like they're a part of it. So if we can kind of shift the culture of the church a little bit and make it where it's for everybody, that's what church is supposed to be and helping, helping churches with it. So I really appreciate what you guys are doing now. Tell us about the three year. Why do you do three years? I mean, I obviously I know why you do three years, but why do you do three years? Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, listen, I don't know why I did. I picked three years. I just think, you know, God picked it and, 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 and made it, made it illuminated to me that a, a lot and, and my experience growing up, listen, these boys, these boys need an intentional commitment in their life. They don't need lunch. They don't need a hamburger. They don't need a pat on the head. They need a man to commit to them because that wound is so deep. And and for the first year, these boys aren't even listening to this mentor father. They're not even listening to him. They could care less what they say. In fact, it's, it's even more than they care less. They think this man is lying to them and he's not going to live up to his commitment. So that three years is necessary because it takes at least 
on average, a year for a, a caring relationship to develop. So this fatherless boy finally says, okay, I'm ready to hear what this man has to say. And uh, so that's all part of the coaching and training we do through the churches. And, you know, listen, the, the average fatherless child, fatherless boy feels or gets abandoned seven times before they're 18. And that's because the boyfriends coming in and out of their house that they call dad and then he bails. Uh, second marriages with children have a extremely high divorce rate, like 75%. And so the grandpa stepped up into his life, but the Lord took him home because of his age. So these boys have experienced abandonment and this hurt and callous and, and, and wounds around their heart is deep. So that three years is, is so so important from that aspect the second aspect is these 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 boys are wounded because a man didn't live up to his commitment he broke his vow he broke his commitment and you look at all around it goes back to the garden of eden adam he blamed the woman men have to start taking responsibility for their commitments and let their yes be yes and their no be no but the way we have it structured it's a three-year commitment but it's broken down into one-year terms so there's a signing ceremony, there's an end of year celebration event. So this boy gets to experience a man putting his commitment in writing and a man fulfilling his commitment three times. And th that is sad to his soul. And that's part of the healing journey that this boy gets to work on. So I could come up with some other biblical babble like well jesus ministry was three years so you know <laughs> but 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 no it, it was really it was really that that was that and we have a lot of young we 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 minister to these boys from seven to 17 so a lot of these boys that start at seven you know their first three years is over at 10 they recommit and they do another three years so it, it's a powerful powerful mentoring relationship experience and what you said there, I completely relate to. My dad left when I was 10 months old. My my grandfather was my dad until sixth grade. He died. Um, yeah. And then I had different uncles that I didn't, different people in my life that I didn't trust as yeah. so much. And then, so I totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. And so I think, I think the three-year commitment, the reason why I said I, I get the three years, because I think it's better to have a longer term relationship with somebody yeah. than for you to have a, a guy for a year and then he drops out again. And so that's really good. I love how I love the longer term commitment. Cause for, yeah. for me, I had a youth pastor that was about three years and they became the senior pastor and I had different youth leaders. And then I have a guy to even this day is my fill in dad. He's my mentor. And that started when I was 15 and I'm 39 now. And so 24 yeah. years later, he's still my fill in dad. Do you get a lot of that where there's a longer term relationship happening? Do you, do you see that? Well, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we try and really separate, you know, this is not a parenting relationship. These, these mentor fathers, we call them, they're not the parent. Yeah. They're sharing the gospel in a father's boy language mm. is what, how we term it. And we translate the gospel into a father's boy language so they can hear it and digest it. So, um, so it's not a parenting relationship. It's not a friendship. It's a mentoring relationship. There's commitments. The church makes a commitment. The single mom makes a commitment. The field buddy makes a commitment. The mentor father makes a commitment. So everybody knows what everybody's supposed to be doing. That's good. Because again, commitment is is what created the wound. If if they go above and beyond their commitments, that's great. Um, but those commitments are are powerful. Um, so we we uh, it's so important to us that when we train these mentor fathers, understand they're not a parent. And this is not a long-term relationship. 
if it blossoms into a long-term relationship, that's fine. But when those three-year commitments are over, then, then that relationship transfers into a different kind of relationship. It can be a friendship. It could be a discipleship. It could be whatever. But the mentorship and a friendship takes a two-way street. We explain this to the boys and we play this to the men. It, it, you know, if you're going to have a friendship, it takes both parties doing and there's not a written commitment that you have to uphold or the mentoring relationship because it's one of the things how we hold these boys accountable if they're not going to do what they committed to then we say i'm sorry we'll invest our life into another follows boy who's willing to commit and live up to his commitments and uh you know once once we have that one come to jesus meeting with them they usually fall right in line because as you probably know uh follows boys that are desperately hurt every every person let them get away with murder because they feel bad for him after that and yeah. so you know when, when a man's willing to hold them accountable they see that as love oh yeah and definitely it, it's just an important concept but yeah so a great question but um we we really make that distinction that this is a mentoring relationship and there's no expectations on any kind of friendship or long-term relationship unless that just naturally develops no, and I think that that's great that you're structured in that you're keeping them going. Yeah. Now, what does it look like for the three years? What is it a monthly the meetup or do they meet up every week or? Well, yeah, the, there's four commitments a month that uh, everybody agrees to. Two out of two out of the four, the the mentor father agrees to take the field buddy to Sunday school and church. Two out of the four, um, one one commitment is months. They do a local mercy ministry project to a widow or elderly person or single mom or somebody in need. And the fourth commitment is where they go through the journey guide, we call it. And that's where the, the mentor father, they deal with the father wound. And, and they, uh, after that, then they get to intentionally um, go and prepare for an, their end of year celebration event. So if the guy is uh, hunting, say he likes to hunt, then they're going to hunt deer. Then they, plan to take a deer hunt at the end of the year. So everything from shooting guns to how to skin a deer, how to butcher a deer, how to ID a deer from a mule deer, whitetail versus mule deer, those kind of things. So it's just a great, and the, the way we like to say it is that we get to keep, allow these men to stay in their comfort zone. And, and, you know, we get to liberate them from the chair stacking ministry and the parking lot ministry, and they actually can do something of great value for the kingdom. So um, yeah, I think it's great. That's so wonderful. Now, tell us about the men in your life that you had fill in the gap. Who did you have? Well, uh, I didn't have many, but I'm thankful for the ones I had. I I, I dove into sports and love coaches. I had a couple of coaches that I really looked up to. Um, and not that they were perfect men, but just somebody that paid attention to me and was willing to part wisdom with me. I don't care if it was just how to hit a baseball better or how to throw a football better. It, it was it was an affirmation that I was valuable enough for somebody to share information with me. Since, as you know, as a father's boy, nobody's sharing it. That's part of the problem. We're not being shepherded into manhood, so we have to we have to draw conclusions by ourselves. Um, but. The, the uh, I'd say the most prominent one was my uncle, my uncle Bucky, uh, my mom's brother. And it wasn't a lot of time, but it was it was a very valuable amount of time. It it was just enough of a life rope to keep me from falling off the edge. And and then I had a a friend's father uh, who introduced me to the outdoors and the hunting. 
hunting industry. And that's, it's amazing. That, that's where I, I made my career in that industry. So mm. it's amazing the amount of time, well, how it impacts your life. Um, but yeah, just very great. I didn't, I didn't really have any godly men that I know of speaking into my life. Um, my mom did the best she could in all the chaos. She would take us to church now and then she would call herself a Christian, but, uh, um, so yeah, so I'm just thankful that God saved me when he did. So that's great. And so tell us about the connection there between how you have fathers in the field and you were working with, you know, outdoor with your, your career. How did that, how did you know, like, Hey, let's go ahead and, you know, put this into a ministry, turn this into a ministry. What made you do that? All I can say is I give all glory to God. I have no idea. I just know that uh, after I was saved, that, that salvation experience where, um, I saw all my earthly sins flash before me and, um, uh, you know, bad, you know, wretched fleshly sins. And, uh, I thought I was done, but then I heard the heavenly father say to me, say, no, now you need to forgive your earthly father mm. for abandoning you. And because he knew that was the deepest of my sin. And, and in my mind, that was the unforgivable sin. And, uh, I didn't want to do it. I believe most fathers, children tell themselves every day, they're not going to forgive their father for creating so much hurt and damage in their life. And, uh, but obviously being confronted with the holy, a holy being um, on that road to Damascus experience, I, 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 I repented and relented and, 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 and uh, gave up that sin of unforgiveness. And that's when I felt the rush go through me. That's when I felt I was born again and I was adopted and I was redeemed and I was a new creation. So that, that experience was profound and it's translated into parts of the ministry. And then I just, I, I just know, um, you know, from my work in the outdoor industry that, uh, how, how solid earth men like to do things. They like to yeah. get outdoors, like to do things with their hands, you know, and, and, um, they, they feel that the church has been over feminized and has left them behind. So I just really wanted to engage these men, these Christian men in kingdom work. And, and we have a saying that says, you know, God gave you that passion for a reason, make it a kingdom pursuit, pursuit instead of a selfish pursuit. So our ministry is just wonderful. We get to engage these men and we're not asking them to add a lot of time to their schedule or asking them just to bring a father's boy along with them in their schedule. So it has been profound. I'm just amazed at the, these wonderful godly men who have stepped up, made a commitment and has really have had a huge impact on the life of the fathers and, and their own lives and the life of the church, which is just awesome. You had mentioned a little bit about forgiveness and you talked about, you know, being forgiving of your father. Tell us about your book and about your podcast too, Man Enough to Forgive. Yeah. Well, you know, I've been doing, doing this ministry to these fatherless boys for 15 years now and just immersed myself in that. It's been great, but and all these pastors are seeing the tremendous impact on these boys' lives. And almost all of them have said to me, John, I, what about all these men that are in my church? Our church is being overwhelmed with the symptoms of fatherlessness. And, and what can we do for them? So the Lord just put on my heart and I thought through it. And so I, I basically took the curriculum I wrote for the boys and, and, made, and, and changed it to adult language. And, and it's, it's really uh, uh, meant to be a men's study, a four-part men's study that takes a whole year in a church 
because um, it takes time to process this wound and, and, and the things you have to deal with. But it's called man enough to forgive. Talking to believers now, talking the lies that they're okay, they'll get over it, they've moved on, but really confronting them with the fact, have you forgiven your earthly father? See, I don't believe the church has done a very good job saying that uh, unforgiveness is a sin. And so what is the consequence for a believer that has unforgiveness in their heart? Well, you have broken fellowship with the Heavenly Father. You've grieved the Holy Spirit. You've basically been put on the IR list You on the sidelines. God's not going to use you for the kingdom battle because you're an unrepentant sinner. Mm. And, and so that's the consequence. It's severe. So uh, he even says that he, he's most likely not even going to listen to our prayers. So think about that. If you've been a believer for 20 years and you haven't forgave your earthly father, the Lord's probably not even listening to your, your prayers. I mean, because his face cannot shine on you with unrepentant sin. So it's a serious issue. And the other thing we, 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 we certainly try to make clear is that we're not saying you have to reconcile with your father or your violator or your abuser or whatever else. But forgiveness and reconciliation are two completely different things. And uh, that's, that's an excuse or a reason uh, subconsciously or unconsciously that people use because they, they think that's what they hear, that we have to go give this person a hug or we have to have a relationship now. No, this is meant to, to follow another biblical man by, earth, by your heavenly father to forgive and to forgive what you might perceive as the unforgivable sin. And people say all the time to me, well, you don't understand. I, I, I probably don't understand, but I know who does, Christ, and he's the one that gave the command. So if you're, if you're going to call yourself a believer, you need to forgive. Yeah, so that's we what are, about. Yeah. We're, we're, so we're brothers in this. There's a book and a workbook that goes along with it, yeah. I think that's great. We're brothers in this. I, I, I preach on forgiveness. I, I hated my dad for years. My dad was um, abusive to my mom, beat my mom up, an alcoholic, never paid child support. And I hated him. I hated my dad for so long uh, because of that. And so I dreamed when I was a kid, I used to dream of going and beating my dad up because he beat my mom up. Uh, you know, as yeah. a boy. And then because I had people in my church teaching about forgiveness and different events I went to, I learned how to forgive and I was able to forgive my dad. And I won't go into whole detail, but I learned how to forgive my dad. And it's such a freeing thing. And yeah. I've had times in my life, they say, whenever you go through um, situations as a parent, whenever you face trauma as a child, you'll kind of relive that. So like when my son was about 10 months old, I thought about my dad throwing me to the cops. And, you know, I, I thought about, you know, diff different times where I faced different things as a child and I, I, different 10 months old, my oldest son, he's oh, 15, 15 Saturday. But that started flaring up in me that I was bitter at my dad because he, you know, what he did throwing me to the cops. I'm like, how could you ever do that? What a scumbag. And so I, I forgave my dad. I went and saw my dad. My dad was heavily involved in the porn industry in Las Vegas. And I won't get into all that. I went down to his porn shop. He worked at and forgave my dad at a porn shop in the ghetto of Las Vegas. Crazy story. But I just, I, the reason why I tell you all this is because I appreciate that you're helping men forgive because yeah. it, it took me a lot to forgive my dad. And I think when I saw your book, I saw it come out. I thought that's powerful. 
And that's yeah. something that needs to be addressed because men have to forgive in order to move on with their life. If they want to be successful, they got to be forgiven by God through Jesus Christ, but then they got to forgive. And that is, that is such a testament. Now tell us about the show. You have a podcast as well. What do you, what do you cover on that? Do you just work through the book or? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, it's mostly um, just really talking about the fatherless issue. It's talking about certainly about forgiveness. It it's it it lays the foundation for the ministry of fathers in the field and the history there, my testimony. And then we have some great guests on there that we talk about. We talk with single moms, we talk with mentor fathers, we talk with pastors, and we just talk with, you know, anybody that has an insight to this issue. And it's just a a, a way to connect. And I don't know how long I'll do it. As you know, it's it's a lot of work and uh and uh but, you know, uh, it's a great asset for our ministry. So people can go back and learn. It, it's kind of evergreen in a way for our ministry. Yeah. And uh, we're not trying to keep up with current trends or anything like that. But we're talking about this issue that has affected so much of our nation and is accelerating and growing. And as I've said before, it is the number one societal issue. And the tsunami's on its way because now we're in the second generation of a fatherless nation. And, uh, we we are a fatherless nation, and it's going to. And if we want to know what our nation will look like, obviously we can look at the inner city. It's seventy five percent fatherlessness. Our nation is over fifty now, and uh, so the delta is is less than twenty five points. So it, it it is it is an issue, and I tell all the time, God, God, to me as I read the Bible, God's most angry words. And his most fiercest words were to his children when they gave lip service on this issue. And I tell churches and pastors, when's the last time you preached on the fatherless? When did you last time you preached on the widows? I know you read James now and then, and everyone thinks, well, that's going to visit an old person in a, in a nursing home. No, that's not what he means. And so it, this is a big issue. And, it, and if it's not happening in your church, you should really pause and say, why? I mean, if pure religion's not happening in your church, what's all the activity then? What's all the activity? And uh, we're in a deep, deep hole concerning this issue. So I just pray that the church would wake up to this issue and and start being an advocate. And it all starts with being an advocate from the pulpit. That's so good, and I appreciate you sharing that. Now, I, I, we have about ten minutes left. I want to ask you. Would you speak to fatherless individuals and just if you had about three to five minutes to speak to a fatherless individual and just this is all the time you had, what would you say to them to encourage them on their journey? Is it a, is it a boy or a man? As a, I'd say a boy, teenager. A teenager, yeah. Um, it's a great question because I believe society does them great harm, even though they're well-meaning. They, this is what was told me, and this is what I know is told them. They say, uh, you don't need a dad, you'll get over it, and big boys don't cry. And that's just the opposite of what they need to hear because they stuff. Every father's child believes it's their fault for their, their dad leaving. Like, I wasn't good enough, I wasn't good, good in sports, I wasn't strong enough, I wasn't brave enough, whatever. Just some, whatever the psycho trauma is in that boy's eye, they blame themselves. And um, so it's a deep festering soul wounds. The, the government and schools try to drug it. Uh, and, and then, you know, the society teach them or labels them as bad boys because they're hurting. 
So first of all, we, I would tell them that you have the right to be angry. It is a righteous anger. So don't let anyone tell me that your anger is not good. It's a righteous anger. But God says we shouldn't sin in our anger. So we, if you're sinning in your anger, we can talk about that. But we get to tell these boys that what your dad did was terribly wrong, will matter greatly in your life. But through the power of Christ, you can be the man God intended you to be. There's victory on that cross that Jesus did on our behalf. And so we, we get to flip the script with the whole world, even, even their family has told them their whole life. We get to flip that script and say, I know you're hurting, you should be hurting, and you have every right to be righteously angry. Now, once that established, how do we solve this? And so really, we, we, we speak to them in a way that they've never be, been spoken to before. And because they view themselves as a victim, and they have to realize that they might they have might been done wrong, but they have to learn to forgive because they need to be forgiven too. That's so good, and and I really you know I I completely agree with you. Now, tell, talking to churches, what would you say? How do they join ministry with you? <laughs> how do they yeah. really get started? Yeah, because well, yeah, you can go to fathersinthefield.com. There's a button up there, enroll enroll your church. Um, the very first step, uh, we, we meet with the senior pastor. We, we won't, we won't do it on the edges of the church. The senior pastor has to understand it, buy into it. He has, we make him agree to be an advocate from the pulpit. Uh, he has to call and affirm his men. So this, this is, this, this is, this is not our ministry. This is God's ministry that we're helping the church do. And it's just, you know, so it, we have the same conversation. This is not a program pastor. This is a ministry that God calls you to do, and you be the head shepherd of it in your church. So if that we our battle, I, when I started the ministry and God called me into the ministry, I thought it was gonna be over the struggle was gonna be over finances, getting men to be mentor fathers, getting single moms to trust us with their with their boys. It's none of that. It's pastors. Yep. It's pastors. It's these head shepherds that for whatever reason, I'll be very kind. If it's apathy or just unawareness, they're not doing it, and they're they're not they're not charging their men. They're not holding their men. They're not challenging their men to do something of great value for the kingdom. Men want to die in a righteous battle on a righteous hill. This ministry allows men to be men. And I, I, I don't say this derogatory, but there are so many beta male pastors in churches because a lot of them are fatherless and they haven't yeah. learned godly masculinity themselves. In fact, I've talked to some pastors that haven't even forgiven their dad. Mm. Think about that. Yep. You're, you're trying to be a head shepherd and you haven't forgiven your dad? Come on. So th this issue is, is profound and the, the church is becoming over-feminized and is over-feminized, very passive. And all these are traits because God's a God of Alpha and Omega. God wants a strong head shepherd. This is not about muscles or whatever. This is about following biblical commands, no matter what the culture says, and, and to elevate men to the position God designed them to be. There are special roles for men. They're supposed to be the pastor, provider, and protector. 
not women, men. God loves women just the same, but he gave them different roles. And that goes within a church and whatever else. And sadly, a lot of these passive churches are now raising women pastors. And I know that's not a, a popular topic, but that's in complete violation of scripture. It's in rebellion. Yeah. No, God gave these roles to men. Yeah. Men. And and listen, I, I'm very bold on this issue because I, and I'm I'm bold to men. Men are the problem, but men are the solution. Yes. And we need more men off the sidelines, more men off injured reserve, more men off of the passive IV that's in their veins because they believe the culture's lies. And we need them to join the battle so we can charge the gate because the Babylonians are at the gate. And our yeah. country is at a precipice that is in trouble. We have to get men off the sidelines, treat them as men, challenge them, inspire them, and let them go fight those righteous battles on that hill. That's so good. And I, I completely agree. It's sometimes it's like banging your head against the wall, uh, trying to get people to take, to take this issue of thoughtlessness serious. Yeah. And, and, and I love talking yeah. to you because it's I just, feel the same terrible. way. Yeah. The, Satan knows what he's doing. You know, he's destroying men and he's destroying the next generation of pastor providers and protectors. And yeah. it, it's a, it's a savage make no mistake. This culture, Satan, they are at war with men. And fatherlessness is the 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 it used to be the side the side attack, the sneak attack. Now it's the frontal attack. Yeah. And and Satan thinks he has us on the run because we're over 50% now. Technically, he's winning the battle on this on this issue right now because of the state of our nation. And we see, we see the effects of it in our nation. We see it. No, men are the problem, but men are the solution. So I want to challenge my brothers. Listen, I, if you haven't forgiven your dad, and you know if you have or haven't, and I can have a conversation, and I can tell in the first 30 seconds if you have or not, there, there's, a, there's a very distinct way to tell. When you say words like, well, uh, I've moved on, I'm fine, I've gotten over it, that's not forgiveness. Mm. Because that fatherless issue is still controlling your behavior, your emotions, and your attitudes and just everything about your life. No, you need to be a new creation. You need to not be in broken fellowship with your heavenly father. Why would you want to live there versus really experiencing the joy that surpasses all understanding when you know you're in the will of God? So this is a big issue in the church. And I just hope pastors and men hear this. And if you're church isn't doing it, that you'd go in there and ask your pastor, what are we doing? What are all these programs? Why aren't we doing the ministry of pure religion? Yeah, that's, that's so what good. we have to start asking. That's so good. Well, John, we got to wrap up. Tell us how they can find you on your website, social media. Yeah. Well, uh, again, men, if you're dealing with this issue, manenoughtoforgive.com, manenoughtoforgive.com. If you're interested in, in getting your church and doing a ministry that has a great kingdom impact to the fatherless and be a mentor. Men, don't believe the world's lies. Your past doesn't define you. You can be, a, if, you're a, if you're a godly man in good standing within the church, you can be a mentor father. So go to fathersinthefield.com, make a commitment into a, a, a young life that's crying himself to sleep, wanting where all the men are. And uh, let's, let's be a church of victory not a church of comfort, not a church of that's headed in the sand, not a passive church, 
let's charge the gate where the, where the barbarians are. Let's stop sitting in our churches. Let's go out there. Let's swing the sword of truth and righteousness. Let's be men. Let's fulfill our calling as men. Men were made for a glorious, righteous purpose. Let's get busy, church. Thanks, thanks for being on with us, John. We really appreciate it. Oh, God bless you. Thank you for all you do. God bless you. Thank you as well. Hey, thanks for checking out this episode of Let's Talk About Fodlessness. We want to now challenge you to take the next step by either starting a single mom community group in your church or with your ministry, or by joining our network of God is My Dad churches and ministries. Isn't it a great experience to be able to start a single mom community group? Yeah, and it's just, if you talk to single moms, a lot of times what they'll tell you is, the one thing they're lacking is that community, just a group that they can go in and they know there's no judgment. You know, everyone may not have the same situation. Everyone doesn't know what they're going through, but they can go in and they know there's no judgment. And and it takes that kind of that restriction and that uh, wall down for them so that they can share and then that they can grow in Christ. And our single mom community groups are a wonderful ministry. And if your church can start one, we'd love to have you. We can help you get set up. We have the curriculum and all the resources you need. If you can't start one, we'd love to have you start by by joining our network of churches and ministries, our God is My Dad network of churches and ministries, where you can get your church or your ministry on our map and people can find you and find find your ministry in your church so that they can get plugged into your church or ministry locally. So check that out. You can find all these resources at lifefactors.org. We have books, we have all kinds of content on there at lifefactors.org. Check it out today.